G'day and welcome to Two Coaches in a Coffee. Darren Burgess sitting opposite me and opposite the country in South Australia. I'm Jason Weber sitting here in WA. And Burjo's on a time clock, so we've got to hustle today. How are you going, mate? Yeah, all right, mate. We're, we're uh, week one of pre-season here, so um, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, what happens when Jason and I don't plan for these things, for anybody who is listening, we just kind of speak for about 30 seconds beforehand. But what you did do without any comment or any um, uh, – you sent me a picture, a video yesterday. Yeah. Of, was it Jalen Phillips? Jalen Phillips from the Miami Dolphins, tight end. So big lad, um, explosive yep. lad, but he has blown his Achilles up and there's a camera right on him and the violence of the muscle just giving way, the tendon giving way and you can see the whole calf go. Um, I was just astounded. So I thought I'd send it to Darren and see what he thought. Yeah, you just did, there was no comment for anything. You just sent it to me. And, and he so said, Darren sent me back, Wow. <laughs> but I think in the scope of like we've talked, go mate, you go. Yeah, go. No, well, I'm more interested in your because you've sent it to me and just gone. And I yeah, can just imagine. Um, but uh, I'm, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it because we spoke about this maybe four or five weeks ago. I can't yeah, quite yeah. remember, and we said there was yeah. a range of well, I think, and everything. But yeah, yeah, and I think there's 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 a ton of injuries. Like, let's just state that there's a. There's a ton that whatever the record is for Achilles tendons in the NFL has now been broken, I imagine. Um, but what appealed to me was that there are some, I mean, we've we've seen a some earlier in the year. I think Aaron Rodgers even had a big tackle component to it. You've got a question mark whether dude's compressing on it. That was part, I don't know. This guy was just accelerating. He rocks back a little bit and goes. So it's the sort of thing you would see in a, in a straight line, like if we're doing, you know, you're doing some speed 20s or something, acceleration in training, it was no more different to that. The grass gave away like the tiniest bit, but again, my opinion for what it's worth, I don't think there was a turf issue, but this thing just exploded. So, I mean, I guess what I'd said to Darren was um, you would have to expect, and I know nothing about this guy and no, none of his history, but I'm just speculating. There has to be an underlying pathology. There, there can't you can't have a catastrophic explosion of a you know major tendon like that without there being something underneath. What do you think, mate? It's a it's a really interesting one. Um, yes, you would think there is. What I would like to know because in the field. And when you're, you know, overlooking staff who are managing this, or whether you're in the, in the mixer, what, what are the signs, and what could they have done to either well, prevent it or, or right, minimise so the risk? We've got to go with the hypothetical situation. So we don't know. They could have been managing some issue for weeks and weeks and weeks, and no one knows about it. So let's let's go without that. So we know nothing. If if you're to assume that it's asymptomatic, I think you've got you've got without doing some sort of routine scanning of everybody, how would you know? But the question I did pose to you, and I don't, it was is more rhetorical and for discussion, but 
Over the years, we've done quite a bit of UTC scanning, so ultrasound, specific ultrasound scanning of, um, of tendons. You can do Achilles tendon and patella tendon specifically. And we've seen um, with a lot of those tendons, when they go bad, that they have these um, areas of tendon that are fundamentally uh, the matrix of the tendon is no longer functional and it's basically given away. Now, is this guy in a situation where he has an asymptomatic tendon problem and it's caused by years of, of, of you know, training abuse, which we all do, and it's just given away at that point? I, I don't know. But to see something pop like that, you've got to wonder there's, there has to be something going on or or is there just an extraordinary amount of load that he's suddenly under? He's he's done a, a huge number of reps. I don't know. I, I'm not suggesting I think I have an answer. I have questions. I would love to know what the tendon looks like. Like what? Oh, even if questions. you could find You're out. And this is probably uh-huh. to make some level of takeaway for listeners, right? Let's say this happened and you were, you were on staff. My first question would be to the surgeon, what does the tendon look like? So you repaired it. We don't really have any, we don't know what's the cause here. Tell me what that tendon's like. Is there something going on that we didn't know about? And and that's that's an important thing, I think, from that. I think this is the high performance manager role. You've got to get in and understand what's going on. I, I had a, a 16-year-old kid come into the gym this morning one of my um, young footballers, and telling me he's been to see the physio and he's got this knee problem and something going on. I'm like, man, that doesn't help. Like, you've got to know some background as to what's going on. So anyway, I think the takeaway is that if I were working in that space and we didn't have a specific explanation, I would want to know firsthand from the surgeon, what did that thing look like? Not scan, what did you see? Because you do get a different message. My, my, my question to you and to us is, so there has been criticism of MetLife. So my question to you then, Jace, is, so MetLife Stadium has been, it has actually been criticised for being a, a crappy service. I think um, one of the tight end of the linebackers, um, wide receiver, could have been any one of them, said that it was trash and um, I believe... The Jets aren't happy with it. So let's say the ground did move a little bit, which it looked like it might have shifted a bit. Can you ensure through training and appropriate you know, periodization that that tendon is robust enough to withstand some sort of shift in the homeostasis, which is the grass? Or is it the fact that these guys, uh, I've got an answer to this, but I'm asking you, are so on edge yeah. that just a tiny little perturbation or whatever the term you want to use in the environment. Yeah. But we've talked about this before, how, how close to edge players are going. Um, let's start with the surface, right? If the surface were really that bad, having been through surface things with the new stadium in um, – so when I was in the AFL, we moved to a new stadium, a new home ground with new technology in the surface and the same when we went to a new stadium in Western Australia – now, we rigorously tested that. We had, um, we were testing hardness. We were t- testing the, the uh, grip, the, the, the ability. They, they have a, 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 Clegometer does this, the uh, hardness. Then another jobby that 
clamps down and then rotates so it can see how much the turf will give way. Now, if we're really arguing, if players are saying that's the problem, then they should be testing the shit out of the surface and understand exactly what the surface is. That's number one. So if no well, one's let's, done... Let's assume they've done you can't, you can't control the surface. Let's assume they tested it and went, yeah, it's possible, um, but we know that it shifts a little bit. Can you... You know, the, the the old saying of get the hamstrings strong and they'll be able to, yeah. you know, withstand it. Does that apply to surface and tend and Achilles tendon? Well, I think there's... What, probably... Other than rest players, you can't do anything. You, you're you're going to play on a shit surface from time to time. No, no, That's absolutely. But if they're, if they're that close to an edge, then there's something broader in the program that you've got to evaluate and, and, and backpedal on. I mean, I we had... Um, you might – who was the St Kilda forward who – the big fella who did the hamstring leading at the ball? I can't think of his name. Big blonde guy. Rewalt. Rewalt. Nick Rewalt. Nick Rewalt did a hamstring as he took off for overseas. Guys, it was like doing a layup but at high speed. So he's jumping forward at speed. And there was an argument that the, gray, the ground gave way a little bit and forced him to overextend on the hamstring and his tendon popped. Uh, mate, it's better man than me that can pick that. I'd – I, well, I've watched it. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's the theory, right, is that we're supposed to be able to protect players for chaos, for things that go overboard. But are they are they on such an edge that we've gone too far? So you said you yeah, had I, I suspect that. Yeah, I suspect that um, something like that that you haven't prepared for before and you potentially haven't trained on before, such as being asked to accelerate a 250-pound, um, 130-kilo person um, mm. as violently as what um, he was, he's probably done that. I couldn't even imagine how many times this year alone. Yeah. And so the time when the ground just gives way a little bit, um, yeah, that's. I, I think it's probably not the factor, but it probably is a, a contributing yeah. factor. So. Yeah, look, man, I, and I think we've been over this before. I think, and maybe again, the takeaway is to examine it. If you're in that position and and even if you're confronted with it, you know you've got to go and play at that stadium. Maybe the, maybe the, the key is to deload going into that, that space. I mean, I know in AFL when we've gone to very soggy grounds, so when you're in Western Australia, you train on very hard, fast tracks, so going to a soft ground, which is arguably what that Jets field was, um, I've deloaded players. I've deloaded teams to try and make sure their their lower limbs can handle the stress of the new surface. So is that a way forward? Uh, it's hard to know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pose another question then. Is And I've got no idea what Miami are doing, none whatsoever. But are they measuring the right metrics to understand whether he is cooked or whether he's done more, right? That's a yeah, really... I I, what I do like, though, is uh, the... You mentioned the UTC scanning. I, I do like if you have the resources, so we'll just put that right up front. If you have the resources, regular scanning of your players, regular um, monitoring scanning. Now... You and me are going to argue, make the same argument here, but if you're working in the Premier League, the NFL, the NBA, then of course you have the resources. You certainly do. Um, 
I'm certain that we could all argue that resources are being misdirected away from, you know, the high performance department because we're going to argue that and that's how one would. Um, but if you have those resources, the regular scanning, so that you can detect any any sort of tendon change. I know the Australian cricket team would do that for backs and, and monitoring any spondy yeah. changes and things like that. Um, I'm certain, uh, well, I know that Premier League teams are doing that regularly as well. So um, are yeah, they, there might be something in there. Would have stopped it? Who knows? A, pre, a Premier League team scanning tendons? Um, Some are, yeah. But more annual scanning of joints. Yeah. And, in fact, I, I did listen to um, uh, Jason Kelsey say that he gets his scanned every single year. He gets his entire body scanned every single year so that he can see if there's any degeneration in his joints. Smart. So, Smart. Yeah. I, anyway, I think who knows whether it would happen or not. I do know that one of the AFL teams in Australia did um, – they did a blind scanning of every player's pelvis to look for osteitis pubis symptoms, and they found that a high percentage of players were asymptomatic and had what you would call uh, clinical signs of osteitis pubis but were asymptomatic. And so the question is, do you react to that? You know, so what's, what's a level that would cause yeah. you to react? Now, I think from a UTC perspective, I think there's almost a no-brainer. If you've got... If you've got those highly degenerated areas, maybe that is a piece. But I suppose the other thing to consider is in a high-threat environment, so, again, if I use my story of the, the changing the grounds in AFL, we did a lot of bone scanning, lower limb, in order to understand fracture ratings and who was at risk more than others, and which they improved, the, the whole process proved to be incredibly accurate. But if Achilles are the number one threat in the, in the NFL – I'd be scanning the I'd be scanning everything I could to try and understand it because it's a, the number one thing at the moment, and it's not like the first season either. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps now they will be. Um, you know, now there's there's a lot more media attention. There seems to be. Maybe we're just looking at it more. Um, there seems to be a lot more media attention around it. So perhaps that will be one of the outcomes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's divert really fast from that. To uh, pre-season, Darren, you're, you're right in the midst of it. In my entrepreneurial life, I'm no longer dealing with that, uh, not not in, in the same detail. How are you travelling, mate? First weekend? The first weekend, um, look, all good. Uh, the pre-season out in Australia, it's a fascinating thing because there's been, you know, a few weeks with nothing in the news in AFL, so you just get all these cameras at day one of training and, you know, you you get uh, pressure from your media department to release your testing results, and like people overseas wouldn't, they couldn't imagine that this goes on. But like, I did a press conference after training, and you know, you're saying all this stuff to you know the media team are briefing you beforehand, and um, there's a there's an online um, uh, skit that that's all it could be described that I'm involved with, and the opening part of the skit is one of our players saying, is this really an appropriate use of resources, i.e. Burjo's time to be being involved in this? So yes. it's a different uh, different sort of beast uh, over here because there's such a tension on it. But look, you know, it's uh, one of the things about it that we're probably going to talk about for the next few weeks, I reckon, Jace, is the fact that our preseason is now resembling more and more like an NFL preseason. So for those who don't know, we used to come back at the start of January 
go through till the middle to late December, have a week off over Christmas and New Year, come back, sorry, start of November, go through till middle to late January, uh, middle to late December, have a week off over Christmas and New Year, come back the 2nd or 3rd of January, go through to mid-March and then into the season. So it was a, a 16, 17-week preseason with one week off. Now, it's two, uh, three weeks before Christmas, then three weeks off, then two weeks after Christmas, then four days off, then two weeks and we're into games. And that's yeah. it, uh, into, into, pre, into pre-season games. Um, two of those, there used to be four, now there's two, and then we're into the season. So it's been shortened. And also within that whole time period, there's that much time off that it, it's extraordinary. So my fear is, we, we spoke about this, I reckon, episode one or two, we're going to end up a little bit like the NFL where you don't have enough time to appropriately prepare tendons and ligaments, let alone bones and muscles, um, for what's coming up because the game has only got quicker, yet yes. our preparation time reduced. So what do you reckon the coaches are saying? But yeah, we got. I worked it out, we've got nine less sessions, sessions this year than last year, and last year was the shortest one I've been involved with in you know, I think I've been doing AFL pre-seasons for 15, 16 years. So my job is to say to the coaches and the other high-performance staff and manage that process, just calm down. We know you've got less time, but we can't get the balls out and do 60-metre kicks and hard cutting and hard change of direction on session same one. one. Which, oh, which is... We haven't got enough time. We haven't got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what, yeah, what aligns with that perfectly is on the on the, the long-term athletic development, I've got I've got one of my underage guys. So a guy who's going, um, he's finished high school. He's now got a year before he can go into the draft. He's training the house down, but he's got one very specific performance. Like this kid's got to get quicker, simple as that. Right? He does everything else really well, but just got to get a bit more acceleration and he'll really pop. But we start getting kids dragged into all these programs to Colts program and a state program and this, and they're all general, yet the kid's got one thing to do to get better and no one's going to address it. So then you layer that on to the problem of Darren just said, and you've got kids that are going to be underdeveloped before they get to the AFL and then the AFL don't have time. So we're, we're kind of cutting our nose off to spite our face because the product, the only, the only resource, the, and this is true of every sport, the only resource teams have is the player. If the player is not appropriately developed and built and all the rest of it, and the ownership taken by, you know, the, the league, you know, you're trusting the development of your resource to somebody else. And I, I see that. Well, I mean, is, I, yeah, there, there is no doubt that's, that's creeping in and um, there is also no doubt that the preparation of the players has been compromised as late as four four weeks ago when we were told that um, the off-season period is now going to go uh, a week or two weeks in certain cases if you you made finals longer. Um, So everybody had their return dates and then we had to call the players because the league said, no, we're giving them an extra week off and said, no, no, you've got an extra week off. So it's it's frustrating. I fear that there will be more um, more soft tissue and, and preventable injuries as a result. 
hopefully there, that isn't the case and I'm touching every piece of wood that I can find. Um, but we'll we'll keep talking about it as it goes on because I'm sure people are and interested the, and I'm not the big, really... The big challenge for Australia is that we don't have the, in the, the AFL particularly, we don't have the numbers of players. So the, the attritional mindset of just keep pushing them through, like there's not enough players. You, you lose a couple of the good ones and the gap to the next level is pretty large. Whereas I guess in the NFL, there are still elite players, but there are so many players that are quality that someone's ready to step into the breach. Yeah, it depends what you're, what you're aiming for. Are you aiming to win the league? or develop your players um if if your aim is to develop players if you're not in that cycle yet then maybe the you know the periodization of your program mm-hmm. is is not as important we're in a bit of a window now where where the expectation is high so um we're in a slightly different phase than we were probably a couple of years ago but we will uh keep talking about it mate because it'll be yeah it'll be uh interesting to see away. how it sort of ebbs and flows a bit well um, i you know, as you've just recruited some man-childs, um, man-children, you know, that's the ones that are physically developed are going to do okay, but it's the, the young ones, the the slightly later maturers that I think will uh, struggle. In any case, my friend, Boy, you are, you're getting screamed at. I was about to say is um, my PhD research shows the interesting thing that the three factors that and this is from 15 years ago, so um, that can successfully predict career success in the AFL, and I'll argue to anybody who wants to listen, uh, most don't, um, is that it would be the same variations on the same theme in league, union, NFL, basketball, is your agility score, your zero to five metre score, your weight and your ability to run high speeds in games accurately predict career success or separate those who have had longer careers to those who don't. And there's different ratings on each of those. Um, But so we know that. And, you know, we're trying to recruit for that to try and accurately predict career success. Um, So let's see. I'll let you know in 10 years once these guys come I agree. I agree. There's no doubt those things are critical and they're going to be critical across all sports are going faster. We saw it in the Rugby World Cup, the high-speed, high-power contact games. NFL's a no-brainer. Um, so, yeah, yep. let's push on to that one next time, mate. You have a good afternoon and um, we will catch up again next week. Cheers. See you, mate.